This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 193 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands-On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have some clever people doing clever things because they love their horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello. How's Debbie? Good, good. I know we had some fun recording uh, at least one of these together today. We got to both pummel this poor lady with questions <laughs> about a revolutionary product. Really, it's it's a pretty cool thing she's doing to help us with our chores around the barn. I love that. And then we've got some great news, great news coming up here about some of the things that Brooke USA has been doing. And one of the smartest things they've done is not only raise a, a little over a million dollars with a new campaign called Power of One, but they also put Dwayne Hildreth on the board. And he is a clever man doing clever things with reiners and working cow horses. Bought his own and then decided to learn how, how to do that, <laughs> which is a funny way to do it. Backwards. Remind everybody really but, quick um, uh, what the Brook yeah. is, what they do, what their mission uh, is. Yeah, it's such a great story, too. Um, thanks for that. Dorothy Brooke was, during World War II, was this Brit, this lady from England, who decided to go over to Egypt and round up all the horses and try to help all the horses that she could that were left behind from World War II. And there were a lot, and they weren't in good shape. So she saved tons and tons of horses, and she became uh, pretty famous for that. And she started what they called the Brook Hospital way, way, way back in England. And then it became the Brook. And the Brook was uh, just a shorter name for the effort to help working horses all over the world. And so there was the Brook from England, but then they had obviously a team in Egypt and India in the brick kilns. And and that's when dad came in. Um, my dad, Monty Roberts, was called in to go see the conditions and see if he could help with the conditions in India in the brick kilns because they would they would put heavy bricks on too young of horses. And you know how that's not going to be supported in their frames. And what was happening is these horses that were were really valuable to these families trying to make a living through making things with their hands would have a horse breaking down way too young, you know? And so they needed sort of some encouragement, let's say that, you know, advice, counsel on how to take care of these horses to extend their lives, make better lives for them, but still continue on with their businesses and not have interruptions in them because of the death of a donkey or a working equid, they would call them, which is horses and mules. And and when he saw the plight of the horses over there, he he signed up to be their global, their first global ambassador. He said, I, I I want to encourage this all over the world because there are more working horses as a population globally than there are recreational horses like we know of. You know, those those giddy up and go gals that we are that go trail riding. We have a lot of horses, you know, about 80, 85 percent of the horses in the U.S. are 
recreational. They're not, we're not going to the Olympics, you know, uh, but, and we think of recreational as sort of the working horse, but that's not the truth globally. Working horse really is born and raised to be a pack animal, you know, for, for industry. So, Brooke still has flourished and thrived all these years now, and we're going to have Emily, who is the CEO of the of Brooke USA, on in the near future too to talk about what their plans are because they've really shot up it, during COVID. They they did so many good things, and there's a lot of good things that they have left on their plate to do too. So, anyway, so I mean, we get I, to talk I, to Dwayne. I love the Brooke because. I'm passionate about horses, obviously, and they have done such wonderful work by making the lives of the working equid better. They are Mm -hmm. also making the lives of the humans who own those animals better. That whole teach a man to fish thing. That's right. That's exactly, that's a great analogy for it too, because that's exactly what they need. The the families cannot do the work without these working equids. And they've got a terrible thing. Dwayne's going to talk about it a little bit, but they've got a terrible thing going in some pockets of the world where they they believe that there's uh, things in the skins and hides of donkeys that are good for their health. So they're actually killing a lot of these donkeys to get this thing you know think like the rhino and the right. and the same, horn you same know, yeah. cultural process where yeah. it, mm-hmm. it becomes a new tradition to create an animal byproduct um yeah but because it's a modern age it, it goes south very badly for the animals in 500 years ago when a culture decided an animal byproduct was useful medicinally it had limited effect because it was only dispersed among that local population. Right, yeah. But now when somebody decides rhino horn is good for your libido and they try to sell it around the world, guess what? That's really bad for the rhino. Right. It's right? really bad for the rhino. It's, it's really yeah. bad. And something similar is happening to a specific equid population. And then the brook has, has really yeah. stepped up and said, okay, we're going to do everything we can to prevent that decimating that equid population and you're right uh, our guest mm-hmm. brings that up a little bit and but he also yeah. shares his story about growing up a horse crazy kid and yeah. how that horse craziness has has kind of come full circle so let's get to our guest right after we chat a little bit about hands-on gloves and i wanted to tell you there's a new use for the hands-on glove there is what there is it is my what is my not quite off the track thoroughbred Nigel, uh huh. Very common among thoroughbreds to be. He's kind of me when it comes to grooming. He doesn't. He doesn't have that. Oh yeah, get that really spot right there. I hit that spot. Yeah, hit that spot. <laughs> but I have discovered uh-huh. that I can find a tick on my horse with a hands-on oh, glove. What a good idea! And That's how do true. I do that? Because ticks get them really itch. wet. Mm-hmm. Whenever the a tick bites a horse, and they sink their little jaws in there, they itch. And when you go over it with a brush, that tick's probably going to stay in there because they really like to hold. You can't really tell. You you glance over it and it's like, oh, there's an itchy spot there, but I'm not sure. But if I take the fingertip of my hands on earth, which has little nubblies on it, I can find exactly where it is. 
Yes. And get you could off. tell the difference between a little pimple there and yeah, because you can they're really amazing that way. They're thin enough and you get it wet and now you got it slick and going. You're exactly right. I find those little, you know, sticky spots. I don't who knows what they got into, you know, and get those off too. And they love it. It's like the biggest massage for a horse. So they they just love it because those little nubbies are great too. So much too. detail yeah. with the little fingertips. Yeah. That's my yep. favorite part about the glove is the fingertips. I can find exactly where the, or he'll get a thorn again he mm-hmm. he loves to get ah, into yes. thorns and of course the thorn sticks in there and it gets to be itchy because it's a little it's a little splinter and i can find yeah. exactly where it is with just that little fingertip and go, rub 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 circles up oh, there it is right there spread the yep. little hairs apart pull it out rub 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 oh and his little his little eyeballs roll back in his head it's awesome <laughs> oh, and Jen, don't forget your dogs and cats, too, because they love those massages, too. That's the only way my mom keeps her Australian. Oh, my gosh, he's so fluffy. But she keeps him. It, he gets to stay in the house, basically, because of the hands-on gloves. And if, basically. You, have, if you have a dog who is a, a little bit uncomfortable about his paws being handled, it can be oh, yeah. a useful way to help with that, like when you give him a bath or, or you just rub gently with your fingers between his little paws and his little pads, help him get used to their paws being handled. It's good. Yeah. This is this whole show is about silicone kind of too. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to talk to Carrie later, about people. that it's, too. It's family yeah, it friendly. Don't worry. It's yeah, okay. that's true. That's true. Okay. So let's, uh, let's give our guest a call and chat with Dwayne. He's a native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dwayne can best be described by those who know him best as a loyal friend, a consummate professional, and an energy giver. I love that. With a deep and passionate love for family, animals, and music. He's also known in some circles as a super connector who thrives on opportunities to leverage his vast and varied network of contacts, relationship building skills, and creative mindset to help bring ideas and concepts to life. As a 30-year veteran of Nike, yes, the Nike shoe company, Duane has recently embarked on the next phase of his career path, having garnered experiences across strategic account sales, marketing brands, and supply chain processes. Yep, he's one of those guys, really important guys. But guess what? Outside of work, Duane appreciates nature. He's an active fitness enthusiast. He hikes, he snow skis, he cycles, and loves water sports. But his most recent pastime is spending time with his two performance quarter horses, Chance and Jagger, participating in regional ranch versatility shows and competitions. Dwayne is also a musician who enjoys writing and arranging as well as occasional performing live. Well, welcome, Dwayne Hildreth, board member of Brook USA. I'm really excited to have you on. This is our first time having you on, but we've met before, I uh, just recently in, in the Dallas, Texas area. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm really excited to, to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, well, of course. I, I wanted to share with listeners a little bit about what you shared with us at the AHP, the American Horse Publications Conference, that I thought was super important. And of course, I'm always curious about the background of those people <laughs> that are in the in our industry. And yeah. so I thought we, we could start a little bit with, uh, what are you doing on the board of Brook USA? You're a pretty new member, I think, too. What drew you to Brook? Yes, yeah, so I was uh, uh, invited to, to be a member of the board probably about 15 to 18 months ago, Deb, and it was Kind of a surprise to me. I'd been introduced to uh, Emily through a mutual friend of ours, and um, 
who had mentioned to me some of the work the book at the time for QSA was doing uh, with the uh, enhancement and betterment for, for animals working equine. And it really resonated with me at the time. And um, initially I was just going to interested in being a volunteer or an ambassador just for the brand, just to kind of speak on behalf of the brand. That's nice. And, and um, before I knew it, I was involved in a series of interviews and Emily and the team saw fit that I would be, you know, perhaps a good fit for being in the south, in the southern region and managing kind of that western mm-hmm. uh, culture that, that the board at the time did not have. And I was all too eager to to jump into it a little bit, a little bit intimidating as I had not served as a member before of a board. Mm-hmm. But I think that the experience I bought from, you know, my, my years with Nike in terms of, you know, being able to network and those types of things mm-hmm. kind of helped me. And so um, that's kind of how it all evolved. And then since then, it's just been a whirlwind of, events as you know and mm-hmm. we, we've got so much going on it's kind of hard to keep it all together but it's exciting things and i think very worthwhile ca- causes and things that that resonates with me so i'm i'm excited about it uh well we're all lucky to have you there i mean brooke usa just finished up a successful completion of a a huge campaign that you had called the power of one which i love um, i love the whole reason behind it the the overcoming that you've done with with uh, some of the causes and and points that you all are are financing to defeat some bad things happening to our four-legged friends but you raised uh, the, the the Brook USA raised 1,194,839 is what the the press release that I read and did yes, you have did you have something to do with that? That's pretty awesome. Yes, absolutely. So all of us, you know, it was kind of a call to arms to really try to figure out what we could do to help drum up support, especially if you think about that, given the last two years and what we dealt with with COVID and some of the other issues yeah. that we've had. Right. Um, sometimes uh, philanthropic causes and, and, and charity causes kind of can go by the wayside. So we were trying to be creative in time, trying trying to say, you know, every every little bit helps. The power of one. So essentially mm. that concept that every single donation matters and has a major impact on the lives of some of the poorest people, you know, that we have here on earth and they're working horses and donkeys and mules. So we just acknowledge that one person's donation can change the world and it resonated. And of course, one thing led to another and we, we were able to, to raise that amount that you talked about close to $1 million. So we're very pleased with it. And, you know, collectively, collectively those funds would be raised to, to help, uh, continue to lead the country and the world and support working horses and donkeys. So we're excited about that. I, I love it. Thank you. I, we've had Brooke uh, USA and, and dad being a Brooke global ambassador, you know, we've talked about different causes and it's been Brooke kilns in India, but you guys are all doing great things for horses. And, you know, we can just sleep better at night knowing that you guys are out there swinging away, but you had, you had given a talk at AHP conference, a, a Breakfast was sponsored by Brook USA, which was pretty cool. And you had sure. talked about EGAO. Um, and without getting too, you know, into the gross details of what these people that are not caring for our four-legged friends are doing, what is that? And what what are you doing to help help us uh, not yeah. have that happen yeah. anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And first of all, it is, it is without question our number one campaign right now and our number one focus that we're putting all of our energies and, and, and efforts and resources towards. So EGL is, is the name that was given for a product that is made from the gelatin produced from balling the hides of donkeys, if you can believe it. No. And just a kind of a horrific process that's taking place. And so both the legal and illegal, illegal trade for EGL is, is threatening the donkey population to extinction. 
Mm. And it's, it's, it's robbing citizens of rural communities in many, many developing nations for their main sources of making a living. And so, you know, what we decided to do was really campaign hard against this practice, Debbie, and, and, and try to get on a major stage and get eyes put on this act of, uh, of basically putting donkeys in, 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 in fear or the threat of being distinct. Yeah. Distinct. And so Crazy. what we did was we petitioned the uh, CEO of Amazon, Andy Jassy, to remove Ezeal and related products from its global retail online platform. And we've been successful, basically shaking the roots, you know, making some noise as a group, reaching out to our, our supporters and um, and our ambassadors to really, you know, ring the bell against this against this. And so that we could could, could broaden the cause and, and make our voices known. And it's and I'm happy to say that we were able to uh, present that bill yeah. uh, to the House of Representatives back on September 20th, 10th, which, you know, details out the process of how this product is made, how how the donkey population is being decimated and, you know, what the product is being used for and just kind of bring awareness. And so far, we've I'm happy to say that people have begun to listen and, and get behind the cause. So that's one of the things that we're very, very excited about. Oh, the work so is not perfect. over. There's, it's, there's okay. still a lot to do, but we've made some steps. That's awesome. And so is Amazon listening? Are they going to ban the sale of those kinds of products? My hope is that they will. And the board okay. is very strategic about um, what we're trying to do to set it up so that we're successful. Right. right. So it's, it, it, as you know, it, it's all in the messaging and the, res- the resonation of that, of, that, of that message. And so we're hopeful that it will. Okay. Well, that's good. So now let's hear about Dwayne. I, you know, if you've listened to this program ever, you know that I want to hear the horsey story first. So, (laughs) you know, and that's why we have you on is because you're a horsey guy and, and, you know, there's a lot of horsey gals. It's, it's good to get a guy on every once in a while. Absolutely. I'm I'm glad to be amongst the, amongst the troops. So first of all, I just want to say, I'm like totally enamored by this opportunity to get a chance to speak with you, Debbie. And I, you know, Having met you and so many other wonderful people at the uh, the conference a couple of weeks ago was really a dream come true. And I never would have fathomed, you know, um, as I mentioned to you when we met briefly, I, I'm relatively new to this this horse this horsey thing. And so, um, you know, as a kid, like most kids who who liked horses, I always liked them. I always loved them and had posters and would have the little figurines and everything, but never really had the opportunity to be around them. And then uh, my grandparents bought me a Shetland pony, I think, just to keep me quiet. <laughs> and uh, I rode that thing until I was in high school and literally poor thing. My legs were dragging on the ground. But <laughs> then, you know, you, you grow up and you start getting other things, work and girlfriends and this and that. And you just kind of leave that behind. Or at least I did. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to return back to it really as a horse owner until about three years ago. And while I had met several people in the industry and, you know, I was, like I said, just had this, this love and passion for horses. In fact, you know, when I was when you told me that you were Monty Roberts' daughter, I just about fainted there on the ground Aww. because I just I'd read his book, you know, some 15 years ago, and several times, and I it's almost like I could pretty much memorize it because I, as a kid, I when I I thought back to when I was a kid and what it would be like to just to be go off on these journeys and just be one with nature, and and reading that book as an adult was like, man, somebody actually did this in real life, Aww. and so. I, I really consider him a legend, and I, and I hope to one day get an opportunity to meet him. But um, I I uh, ended up purchasing a, a horse um, in partnership with a friend of mine who's a trainer. Mm-hmm. I did while I was purchasing horses, and I thought I'd be riding it. And I found out later that I was 
purchase a horse for him to train to ride in the in the futurity. I didn't know what a futurity was. I didn't know what performance horse was. I just wanted a horse. That's mm-hmm. how naive and, and uneducated I was about all of this. But e- either way, I got the horse. And then through that process of watching him being trained and being engaged and included in some of the activities that were going on, specifically in reining and reining cow horse, I just fell in love with the sport. Um, soon after, because I wanted to be involved as a participant, I ended up buying a horse. Uh, in retrospect, as I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, had had I had I learned how to ride properly and, and just kind of learn horsemanship 101 from the beginning, I probably would have had a, 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 a easier journey thus far, but I have learned a lot so quickly and I've just fallen in love with it. And, and, and it's not just when people ask me why, it's not so much the performance and even the riding, Debbie, it is really just being in the presence of horses. Mm. That's the simplest way that I can, can, can describe it. And even the friends of mine that I have that aren't necessarily quote unquote horsey people, mm-hmm. they always say when they leave the experience, they feel calm, they, 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 they feel happy. They, they, they give all of these positive acronyms as to how they feel about having been engaged and involved with, with the horses. And so I know that to be a fact. I, I do believe that there are horsey people and non-horsey people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm, I'm just enjoying the journey. You know, I have a goal to, to really become proficient at, at Kyle Horse. And I've decided to, uh, to stop showing for a while and really work on my skills, basically going back and putting the training wheels on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know just enough to be dangerous, but I, I want to really understand you know what it means to to partner up, quote unquote, with with a horse and be able to, you know. And I don't think you ever really conquer it, but that that process of learning to me is what I really want to align myself right so that I'm doing it the correct way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're. I know you're fearless because most people who start life um, of their of horsemanship later and it's not that you're ancient at all yeah but you're not nine anymore with the with the pony <laughs> no i'm not nine <laughs> and so uh we we have this vulnerability about us that we don't have as a child but you're fearless so what do you what is your greatest intent besides the partnership which is a little bit nebulous and it sounds wonderful and everybody loves horses uh but what is the skill set that you want to do with that partner what do you think um, you know, get you up in the morning to do that? Well, there, there are a couple of things. And I'll see if I can answer uh, simply for you. So for me, I've been competitive all my life. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was I decided to do, whether it be with my career or in sports, or, you know, as a mu- musician, I will tell you that my track record will, will, will show or reveal that I've kind of just dived into just, just about anything that I've done outside of obviously school where you have to actually study but when I see something, whether it be skiing or whatever, I'm like, I want to try that. And then I kind of just go at it with reckless abandon. And then I have to back away and say, okay, now go learn the real way. <laughs> with horses, with, with, with the horses, and particularly in this, uh, this discipline that I'm doing, which is the reigning cow horse, I'm looking at all the elements that are involved to, to align in order for you to have any level of success. So you have the horse, his mind, me and my mind, and then the element of a cow which yeah. has his own mind. So you have those three elements involved working at the same time. On the reigning piece, you know, when they say the horse has to be willfully guided, that judge is looking for your connection with that horse as he is um, exhibiting, you know, the maneuvers within a reigning pattern. And, you know, how quiet are my hands? You know, how how is my horse moving willfully around in that, in that circle with very little uh, help or assistance from me? 
And, you know, lead changes, uh, flying lead changes, the run, the stops, the spin. That to me is, uh, at least in my world from the Western perspective, is epitome of being at one with that horse, that, mm-hmm. you, have, that you have trained enough and partnered with that horse enough to know what each other needs and wants to, to, um, act, to, act, to engage in that activity to a level to where, you know, judges see it. And that, that mm-hmm. to me, that's attractive to me. And then, you know, obviously the, the Kyle piece is, you know, that's the element that, you know, you mentioned, you know, not starting at nine year old. The other thing that attracted me to a Debbie was I see competitors from 15, 16 year olds to quite frankly, 70, 75 year olds. Yeah. And, and all, all genders, you know, all races, all, you know, it's, it's all different walks of life. And so I think one of the things that really is the equalizer in that is, is the cow. I've seen runs where they had perfect raining runs and they put the cow in the rain and he decides mm-hmm. to do his own thing. Yeah. And now you're even with, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, sure. that's what attracted me to the actual sport mm-hmm. as it relates to the actual horses themselves. It's that need to understand what they understand about me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So when I, when I walk in, I've been told numerous times that I'm starting to feel it now. They sense how you feel. And to yeah. me, my being able to understand a little deeper how they do that is what wakes me up. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 if I'm not having a good day or I'm stressed out about something or just maybe feeling a little down, um, I did this morning, you know, I'll, I'll go to the barn, even if I'm not riding. And if it's quiet in there and you hear the horses eating, it's, it's, it's just something about that that draws me, uh, it makes my blood pressure go down and my mm-hmm. heart rate goes down. And I just kind of feel, even, even if, again, like I'm not riding, I just kind of feel if I can just stand in their stall for just a second and just put my hand on them. Um, it's typically a good experience for me. And so that drive, that whatever that is, is something that uh, resonates with me more so than anything else ever has, including the music. So mm, that's, that's, that's why I do it. Yeah. yeah, that's beautifully said. That's that's one of the best descriptions I've I've ever heard, actually. For Wow. <laughs> yeah, for calling everybody. Well, I was going to ask you kind of an extension of that question is breathing and music and horses – is is there a thread there? Absolutely, there is, and and I did not realize that thread. And I'm glad you asked that. Um, until here recently, and I say recently, probably about a month ago, because um, I had several people talk to me about, do you ever leverage your experiences and your knowledge from a musical perspective with the horse, horses? Is there a rhythmic pattern? And at first, I'd never really thought about it. I considered it, Debbie, because I was so busy zoning in on what it took to execute those, those yeah. horse maneuvers. I wasn't even thinking about music. And then as I began to take my, when I, st- when I stopped competing, which again was about a month ago, and really just getting on my horse to ride with not in, with, without an end goal other than feeling comfortable in the saddle and trying to listen to him and have him listen to me, it became rhythmic. Everything from the sound of a lope and his hooves on the sand or on the ground, wherever, wherever I'm riding, mm-hmm. to his breath and my breath and i noticed that when i'm relaxed they I, I talk in terms of one i have two horses but they both breathe out a sigh of relief like finally you're letting me be me yeah and it was it was really kind of i'm telling you it was it was it was eye-opening it was very inspiring because now I, I look for it but i i don't look for it in a manner that i'm forcing it to happen i just know what it, what i have to do to make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. and i can swear to you that it, it is with me it, it certainly is rhythmic. Um, 
And, you know, I play music now for them. When I go in, I, I play music for them to listen uh, to. And I would swear one of them is really, really anticipating that. I mean, he, he, he has become a totally different. And this is in a short period of time. He had a lot of anxiety. And the trainer that I was working with at the time told me um, he's a reflection of you. Because it's, been a, it's a, been a rough couple of years for me, just personal with my family and everything. But the horses have been my saving grace. And as I began to understand um, how to... I won't necessarily use the word partner, but how to intersect with with their with their space, inter- mm-hmm. intersect with how they're feeling and the vibes that they're putting off. It has helped me uh, in so many ways. So many that's ways. yeah, that's beautiful. I I know that you were blessed with the art of storytelling, but that is uh, that's heart telling. I <laughs> it's not a story <laughs> at all. It's just, yeah, very well spoken about the interior of what happens when you're around a yeah. horse. I think. And I, I think people can relate to that, even if they've never put it in such good words before. And, and what would you say to someone who is maybe they're over 40 now and they're thinking about getting into horses, but they do feel that well up in their throat of a little bit of how do I do that? How do I relax? How do I not worry about things so much? What would you advise them to do? Well, fortunately, uh, fortunately for for those those people, there's a wealth of information out there. As I'm sure you know because you're involved in that sector of the industry where there's training, mm-hmm. there's clinics, there's classes, there's up, there's books, there's all types of things to read mm-hmm. uh, and and learn and become a learned person about engaging with horses before you ever even you, you meet one. I did not choose that way, but <laughs> that's what I would suggest to someone who is maybe a little bit more gun shy, a little bit more hesitant to, to be involved. What I, what I do with my friends, because they all know now what I, I mean, I post it on Facebook. It's, it's become part of who I am. Right. And so when they talk to me about it and particularly, like you said, the ones that are older, quote unquote, um, I think personally, the way that I did it, you either have it or you don't. Meaning some people would say, even my mother right now, she thinks I'm going to kill myself. She's like, Oh my God, why are you doing this? <laughs> but, but I will have to say just recently, she said, you know, when you bought that horse, your, your dad, who has since passed, came home and said, I've never seen that boy so happy. And he's seen me do a oh. lot of things. <laughs> and so when she said that, she goes, I knew at that point that that's, you had found your place. Uh-huh. And so um, when she said that, that meant a lot to me because, I mean, you know, through all my career and all the other things that I've achieved professionally and personally, mm-hmm. she, you know, it almost became, it was expected of myself and my sisters. But with this, it was rich. She's never really said, but you're, you're happy. You know, and that meant a lot for her to see that. And so I would say that for, I'm kind of getting a little bit off track, but that I think mm-hmm. that innate ability to want to go and do something supersedes the fear. But if That's there awesome. is an element of, of hesitancy, I think you just partner with someone who is uh, uh, efficient at managing horses and get partnered with the person that, you know, kind of knows what they're doing and yeah. get introduced that way. But I'll always be, a proponent and, and invite those who even if that, if I have a window of opportunity to just say, come and see, come and just be part of this experience and see what you think. Um, I'm going to always do that. That's good. You're an ambassador. That's awesome. Yeah. And no, I love, I love that you said, find, find a well, professional, my word, 
to hook up with because that's what builds your confidence, right? If you, Absolutely. if you, yeah, if you think you're an island out there, then uh, you're never going to have the confidence with a horse in an older age. I think that you would if you had somebody you can lean on because when they build that confidence, then the fun of the the whole horse experience, no matter what your discipline is, I think will will prevail, and totally that's what we want. Yeah, that's what we want for more horse owners out there. I'm so glad you jumped in with both feet and have two horses, too, because otherwise you'd think that was just one horse that did all that good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 uh, I, I will have to be honest, and, and, and in full disclosure, my jumping in did not come without some cause. So I've, you know, I've fallen off and thrown off. The one thing, Debbie, I just, and it wasn't even, to quote the old Western, fall off and get back on. I just knew. That it was it, what drove me to get back on was not hey you got to get back on or you'll get scared it was like I love this so much I don't care if it hurts uh-huh. it was it, <laughs> it was kind of a blind thing you know what I'm yeah. saying and so yeah yeah that's yeah true. it was that's it was true. more that than anything else and um but I've done that all my life I don't I don't know this thing about I don't I don't have this fear about you're this age so go do that you're this age go do, I just go yeah. do stuff. If that that's makes awesome. sense. <laughs> so, it does. Uh, well, especially with your life too, and all your background of all your sports too. So people will have to look it up. So if if people want to know more about the Brook USA, where do they find you and the board and what you guys are all up to? And can they follow you on Facebook too and see a little bit about your horses? Yes, I'm just at Dwayne Eddie Hildreth, um, and I everything that I post whether it's music or horses because I think there's different sides of me. I just post it. I don't have like a separate horse website, but I. I'm in the process of building my own ranch, and you'll hear more about that soon. It's a very, uh, it's a very special concept that I've come up with, and because of everything that we've gone through with manufacturing those types of things, things have slowed slowed the process down. But I, I purchased some property recently here, just north of Dallas, and I'll have a ranch which I want to be reflective of my experience and my journey as a musician and as a horseman. Wow, that that's that's what I can tell you right now. But it will be a place where people can come, not like a, a healing type of thing, just experience, yeah. experience being around, but it'll also be a, a working ranch. So that's, that's my awesome. goal. Awesome. But they can, <laughs> and I'll be talking to you more about that, but, um, Dwayne Eddie Hildreth, E-D-D-I-E Hildreth, just, and they can find me there at, at, on my Facebook, okay. um, and Dwayne Hildreth on, on Instagram. I, I have the Instagram account. And as Great. far as book is concerned, it's, uh, dot org org okay perfect so fun to have you on Dwayne so much for, thank you so much for agreeing to be on and and I can't wait to talk to you more so we're gonna have to cycle this through real quick I want to hear about your farm I would love to hi I'm Monty Roberts and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain you can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University Western English the beginner or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Carrie Mellon is the founder and co-owner of EasyHold.com. After 35 years of a career designing costumes and other things for the motion picture industry, Carrie discovered through her own necessity that there was a lack of simple grip aids to help people continue to be active through physical adversity. Enlisting her sisters, Marilee and Wendy, to form Mellon Works LLC, they became dedicated to designing inclusive products that allow the differently abled more independence. 
Now supplied globally in over 9,000 schools, hospitals, and therapy centers, the Mellon Sisters company has made history by innovating a new category of silicone grip aids for the healthcare and caregiving industries. Well, welcome, Carrie Mellon, the founder and co-owner of Easy Hold. But that's not why I know you, horsey girl. I know you because of your horses, and I've wanted to have you on. How are you? Very good. I'm happy to be here today. Well, you're practically my neighbor. You live just a couple hours south of here, and it's always fun to have somebody actually walk onto the property. So you've been to Solving and seen Flag is Up and know a little bit about horses yourself. What did you know about Monty before before I got to know you? Oh, I followed Monty for a long time. I think... um, you know, when I first discovered him, uh, it was the story about Shy Boy. And um, being a child that probably had ADHD, <laughs> I discovered horses at a young age because they had such a calming influence. And while my my life was kind of frenetic and I was very overactive, hyperactive, I knew that to be around horses, you needed to be calm and quiet. And and so and anytime I read anything about horses or our peaceful training or gentleness, I was very attracted to that. So Monty has been an inspiration for a long time for me. Mm, that's um, very kind. And uh, yeah, and you know we enjoyed we, his books. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, thank you. And you you got to meet Shy Boy. Did you get to see Shy Boy when you were here? And you know that he's I still did. Yay! I did. What a treat that was. Amazing. He looks amazing. Twenty nine years <laughs> old. Yeah. Well loved. Well, tell us. I what I love to know is how a horse girl affords her horses sometimes. And I know you have a thirty five year career designing mm-hmm. for the motion picture industry. What was that all about? Well, um, as a girl, yes, you're right. How do people afford horses? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I had a family of five girls. Uh, My dad was a blue-collar worker. He was a heavy equipment operator. And um, so we didn't have extra income, really. And uh, so I started working at a pony ride at 11. And um, I worked there till I was 16, you know, every spare moment I had. Um, and by 17, I was able to buy a $125 horse. Aww, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and so that was my first venture into owning horses. And I've had horses ever, six, ever since, uh, wow. for, you know, 50 plus years. So you kept a horse all through your career because a lot of people, you know, that 16, 17, they either find boys, find cars, do something, and then they come (laughs) back to horses eventually. But you kept the horses. Good for you. Do you think that um, kept you kept you sane through an industry that might not be so sane, the the motion picture industry? Absolutely. You know, whenever I talk to to friends or parents who are talking about getting a horse or a pony for their children, I say, particularly for girls, it really keeps you out of a lot of trouble, keeps you from hanging out in malls. It's it's in the long run less expensive because getting into trouble is very expensive. Clothing is jewelry, makeup. 
And having a backyard horse can be the most reasonable thing you ask your your, your child and daughter to do. Oh, so funny. yes, it did. And I always made sure that I, you know, any companion or mate or boyfriend I had, they were, you know, horse lovers as well. Maybe not riding, but definitely enjoy the experience of grooming and hanging with them uh, in, in a friendship capacity. Uh-huh. But yes, I've, I've had horses since I was a girl and, and of course, have many more now. I've, I had probably a about 40 or 45 horses in this time that I've uh, worked with, started, owned, uh, passed on to friends. Um, And so it is, it's definitely a lifelong journey. That's great. That's great. And you're still at it and still learning. I love that you're a student for life. And Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, that they say that necessity is the mother of invention on some of these things too. So I wanted to tell people a little bit about what you discovered uh, because you were uh, making a great effort to keep care of your horses and um, you have a little arthritis. I'll let everybody know. Mm-hmm. And that physical Yeah, and I'm going to do a little departure here, too, and bring my producer, Jen, in, because I got Jen excited about this, and (laughs) (laughs) and I... And she has great questions because, you know, she is the inventor of everything around a barn that might not even have anything to do with horses when it was purchased, but it becomes enlisted to do something around the barn, too. So I thought maybe you could tell both of us a little bit about your story about discovering this uh, grip aids, I'll call them. Yes. Definitely. Well, uh, you know, yes, I'm a cowgirl and I've worked with my hands my whole life, building fences, painting them, you know, tying ropes, uh, working with horses around a trailer, um, competing and riding. Um, and also in my, my daily work, um, as you mentioned, I've been a costumer in Hollywood for 35 years, building costumes, making, designing, sewing, a lot of handwork. And well, my thumbs had given out. And um, I went out to, to clean my barn. I had just bought a new little ranch here in the in the Simi Valley area, and uh, I was going to have some family over. And uh, I grabbed the broom, and um, many years back, I had been tossed from a, a wonderful mare, and I was <laughs> tossed and landed with my hands on top of a, a split rail fence, and it pushed back my thumb. Mm-hmm. And well, every once in a while, my thumbs would complain after that, you know, and a little bit of arthritis started to set in. So as I wrapped my hand around the broom, um, a pain was just shooting down my thumb. Mm. And I was going to have a family over in about an hour. My family was coming and I really wanted to have my place looking nice. So I thought, hmm, I got some duct tape over here. (laughs) I'm going to make a nice loop on this broom and see if I can slip my hand in so I don't have to use my thumb. (laughs) And so I do. I duct tape a loop. I'm kind of slip my hand in this sticky loop. And I was really surprised at how effortless it was to uh, use this broom to maintain control of this broom. And as I'm sweeping, I'm also thinking if there has been anything on the market like this, put anything on the market innovative. It made me think back to uh, my early years and a professor had told me when I was in my early 20s, um, had said, you know, where do you want to go in your life, Carrie? And I said, uh, I really, I'm, I'm not quite sure. He gave me an occupational test uh, about what kind of environments you would flourish in for work. And it showed two areas. One was film and television, mm. and the other was occupational therapy, which I'd never really heard of. 
So at that time, I was already getting involved in film and television because as a, as a one of five girls uh, with not a lot of money, our, my mom had given us a sewing machine at a very young age, 10 or 11, and said, make your clothes. Mm-hmm. So I've been making my clothes for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it kind of segued into uh, making costumes for friends who were in the film industry as well. So I already knew that I was kind of going in that direction. But I didn't know about occupational therapy. So I volunteered at Northridge Hospital for what was going to be a couple months in the spinal cord injury wing. Mm. And at that time, I learned to assist the occupational therapist, helping people relearn how to hold a fork, a paintbrush, a hairbrush, just articles of daily living. And the therapists at the time were kind of hand-making cuffs you know, out of popsicle sticks and rubber bands and Velcro. They were hand wow. making them because there wasn't anything that was really, uh, you know, super adaptable for all sizes or all kinds of equipment or yeah. hygienic. So we would make them. I would help them. So here, you know, 40 years later, and by the way, that two months, it was so fascinating to me that I ended up staying for about a year and a half and oh. they offered me a job. But in that year and a half, Hollywood, the call of Hollywood was very strong and I kept getting more and more jobs. So I decided to go in that direction. So that was my early 20s. Here I am, you know, now, you know, 35 years later, trying to hold my own broom. And I am thinking to myself, gosh, is there some, what advances have happened? Is there an assistive cuff that can help me now? So I'm sleeping get it all clean. Later at the party, my sisters are over and we do what we often do. I have a couple older sisters, Marilee and Wendy. We talk about segueing out of our current careers. Marilee has been a director of early education and schools for, you know, 30, 40 years. Wendy is a chef and a fine artist for the same 30, 40 years. And we talk about starting a new business. Hmm. Shall we make our famous brownie recipe or our bun recipe, our granny, you know? And I said, Gals, you know, I actually had to tape my hand to a broom today. (laughs) I was thinking, what about if we look into making assistive grip devices for baby boomers, for people who want to continue to be active and maintain their fun lifestyle? Um, But, you know, we're going to have the most baby boomers on the planet in 2025 or something Mm -hmm. like that, the most adults who are going to want to continue having fun. And why don't we look into something like that? So, uh, you know, I I ran into the house, actually, and I got a pot holder, a silicone pot holder. I cut two holes in it. I slipped over a broom and I said, this is what I want to make, something like this. So the next day, my sisters, Wendy and Marilee, took off to the Hollywood mask shop to find out how to (laughs) pour, cure, mold, silicone, color it, um, while I got on the Internet to find out if there's any prior art what advances had been made in gripping cuffs since I was in, uh, you know, Northridge Hospital, you know, in my 20s. I found that there was nothing, no innovations at all. So the next day we got to work and we made a thousand prototypes in my kitchen. Wow, a thousand? (laughs) That week. (laughs) In your kitchen. We made a thousand prototypes. We learned how to pour, mix, cure, mold, carve um, molds and... uh, it was quite, it was a lot of fun, but really challenging. <laughs> My gosh. Do you mean to tell me at Northridge, they were still using popsicle sticks and masking tape? Or? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. They were, because, you know, there were these little, there are little things called universal cuffs, but they're made of Velcro or leather or elastic. And the problem is, Not as hygiene. soon as you're eating, 
they get wet. Yeah. If you're if you're sculpting clay, they get dirty. Yeah. And you can't share them with other patients right. because they, they harbor germs. So rather than trying to take these, buying a new one each time, also they only held small things like a pencil or a fork. They didn't mm-hmm. hold something large. So they just kept making, would make something for each patient new. Mm, that's so great. I knew that when we innovated it, it would need to be made of a material that was super hyperallergenic, right. that was really, really soft and stretchy. Okay. That was also, we wanted it to be colorful and fun so that it didn't look like a medical device or an mm-hmm. assistive device mm-hmm. and something that would be inclusive of everyone and every disability. Oh my gosh. So we Perfect. made them as tiny as we could to fit a tiny baby rattle or a baby spoon oh, yeah. all the way up to a baseball bat or a walker or a boat oar. Oh, yeah. And we took our thousand prototypes and put them on all kinds of implements, mm-hmm. a stylus for a computer, a horse brush, a rake, a broom. That's what I want to get into. Different right. So and yeah, we, a, yeah. A, a manure fork, right? I mean, this is a this manure is fork. We, exactly. Does it actually, so for those people who do not have like a heavy dose of arthritis or anything, does it actually make the job easier too? Yes, in many respects, it does. Now, what it can do is give your joints and hands a rest yeah. from the constant grip and release, grip and release. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't say that if you're perfectly capable and able-bodied, that this type of a confined feeling might be your first choice. Mm-hmm. However, okay. in in using it and distributing them and testing them and trialing them, people have found so many other amazing uses for them. They use it for hanging, for storage, for I've holding equipment that. on. It's great on a saddle horn to keep it on your saddle rack so it doesn't damage the leather and fall off. Right. So I would say that an able-bodied person would not be using these probably on a fork. Or a, or a, a, but on a broom, maybe where you really need a little rest. Yes. (laughs) Or where you're hanging your bridles along the wall. And I, yeah, I've seen that innovation too. And it's great because it's, it's uh, spongy, you know, and it kind of, Mm -hmm. you're not going to break it. It's so hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to jump in here a second. Jump. Because I think we need to describe what these things look Look like. like. Yes. Because. I think for somebody who has never um, been exposed to the assisted, the um, assisted living or um, mm-hmm. articles of daily living, where people are relearning yeah. skill sets that have been removed through the trials and tribulations of getting head injuries and the like, mm-hmm. it looks to me. I'm looking at the easy hold sippy cup bottle holder because it's the largest mm-hmm. of the lot because you make them in lots of yep. different sizes. Are and you on the looked, website? Yes, You're I'm on the, the website because that's what just got me like, oh my God, you okay. can use these for so many things. Okay. Um, it, looks easy, like, easy it looks hold. like a little okay. short mm-hmm. piece of silicone and it mm-hmm. has a hole at each end and the hole slides up over the sippy cup and then it comes out and then it, other one slides up over the sippy cup. So you have created a removable handle. And these come in various mm-hmm. sizes. So you can create this removable handle for a toothbrush or a pen mm-hmm. or the handle of a walker. I'm looking at this going, oh my gosh, I could put these on my 
hiking poles because hiking right. poles come with a handle that is adjustable, but because a of the handle, mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. because of the arthritis I have in all of my parts, mm-hmm. um, even that is really quite uncomfortable, really mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. use that yeah. handle because gripping is not something that my hands like to do anymore. And then I thought, well, yeah. wait a minute, I could yeah. put this on my hiking poles, but I could also put these on my reins because currently I compete in endurance mm-hmm. and I am able mm-hmm. to ride my horse in a way that does not require contact with the reins. Therefore, I do not have to have a tight grip on the reins. Mm-hmm. But right mm-hmm. now we're doing a lot of dressage. It's a long story why we're doing a lot of dressage with my endurance <laughs> horse, but let's just say we are. But it's a really, really challenging part of the process to hold the reins tight enough that contact can be maintained. That is something that is mm-hmm. both, uh, it's, it's, let's just, it just hurts. It hurts like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I could put those mm-hmm. on there, and if I use just the right size, it would, it would create some of that grip for me and are, are is mm-hmm. one of the sizes that you guys make a size that would slide over an english rain yes um the blue is a perfect size for the english rain and um it's often purchased in fact we had a a, a um a uh, disabled uh paralympian purchasing mm-hmm. them the other day for her rain oh i feel special on it on it <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm in the ranks. I'm I'm looking at something that you could be an Olympian soon. Yeah, (laughs) you could be an Olympian. I could be an Olympian. Oh my god! And you know, we have several several students, and uh, uh, we have a therapy pony, uh, and children are able to ride the pony if they're they've got finger loss, just a limb without a hand. So it it has just a nice little sticky, sticky feeling. So your hand, so it doesn't have to be tight on the hand, but it can just give you a little bit of grip so that you can relax your grip or just hold onto the reins with no grip at all. Interesting. That's awesome. So now I know you're a big team pinner, Carrie. So I'm wondering, have you made any applications to team pinning doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have, as a matter of fact, I Ah. I keep it on the horn all the time because you can slip your reins kind of through it on the horn so that it is not, you know how you're always like, you want to dally your reins down to while you're standing there for a minute. But if you have it on your horn, you can slide your reins through it and it keeps your reins off of the ground. If you need to do something around your horse. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Super practical idea. Mm -hmm. It is because then the horse, if the horse does want to jerk down while the reins are tied on the saddle horn, it doesn't affect their mouth. But if they're instead fastened with an easy hold, it gives them a little stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also can put it, you can hold a water bottle with the sippy cup holder. You can even hold a, a rope if you're a roper uh, around your horn. Um, there are lots of uses for for an easy hold if you keep a few around you. These sound, um, like, also the, these, these sound the, like something that needs to be added to duct tape and bale yeah. of twine. Right up there. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And also when I'm when I'm uh, warming up my horses, if I'm leading my horses, I always keep one on the horse I'm warming or leading because you know how exhausting it is to be riding and also leading a horse. So if you put one on the lead line to a horse, you still have fingertip control of your own reins because the lead line is being held onto your hand with an easy hold. 
Yeah. So oh gosh, I pony my pony simple. constantly. Okay, now I have to yeah. get, okay, up my order to two dozen. Amazing <laughs> for ponying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a great and idea. And then when you're ponying also, you can just slip it off of your hand and slip it onto the horn of your saddle as you're riding. So you don't even have to be holding onto that, that ponying lead line. It can be on your saddle and it just gives it enough softness and tension for the horse. Yet it is, it's not dangerous because it will slip off if they pull back or, um, or it, it, it will usually slip off before it breaks, but it isn't fast like you dally down so that pony right. could pull you over. It's a great way to use that. That is. That's really smart. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Isn't she smart? I mean, I use it on my, use, I use it on my hoof pick. Um, also because, you know, when you're, when you're holding reins or a lead line and you're picking out your horse's hoof, if it, if your hoof pick is on your hand, then you still do have fingertip control also. So it's, I use it on my hoof pick. There it is. If I need to pick up a brush and put a little oil on my horse's hoof, I still have that hoof pick on my hand. I don't have to drop it. I don't have to find a spot to put it in my pocket. It's on my hand and I can still use my fingers. Um, and uh, on a, you know, on broom, on brushes, horse brushes, it's amazing. On a uh, sweat scraper, if you've got to wash three or four uh, horses in a row, <laughs> you get a pretty tired. <laughs> that's smart, too. Yeah, I love it because you're all wet and soapy and slippery. Mm-hmm. And that's really yep. smart, too. Yeah, yep. that's good. Jen, I think she outgeeked you on this one. Well, I this tell really you, <laughs> this has, this has 100, 101,000 different applications. I love it. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. If you look at Instagram too, we we are on, have an Instagram page. You can just see just a million and one applications for for not only brooms but for bicycle handles, for musical instruments. Well, I also ride a bike, so now I have to get some for my bike handles. Yeah. My, my, and Glenn, and you know how? What about when driving? you have arthritis? Yeah. Huh? Oh, no, you cannot put it on a steering wheel because there's. Oh, all sorry, kinds I of- meant horse drive. I meant like Glenn, her husband, oh, husband. Yeah, drives, mm-hmm. and I would think reins and yeah, oh, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But sorry, you said when you have arthritis. Sorry, when I you know. have arthritis and you are uh, riding a bike, <laughs> really your hands get numb and exhausted. So having the little loops of easy hold on them so that you can actually release the pressure, release your joints a little bit, makes bike riding a lot more fun. You know, the the funny thing is about these grip devices is people stop doing their hobbies and they don't know really why. You know, you get to be about 45 and 50 and you find that you stop doing things and you don't even know why, but the reason is things become more painful. So you kind of pass on it. Today, I'm not going to ride. Today, I'm not going to sweep out my barn. When the reality is, is if you had a little help, if you had some tools to help you, it's a kind of a use it or lose it. Mm -hmm. The more you use it, the more you will keep it and enjoy it. If you take too many days off from a hobby or a sport, it's very hard to get get it back. Your, Your muscles, your ligaments, your joints just become more and more inflamed as they're not used. Mm-hmm. So making sure you have some tools as you age is, is, the, is the, the best way to be able to live a full life as long as you can. You know, I, there's, a, there's a quote that just has come to mind, and it's my favorite quote that, that Monty <laughs> has, has ever, that I've ever read. I, he, he said something effective. The wonder of independence is that it encourages open minds and the desire to improve. 
So when I read that, that was a real light bulb moment for me. I think I was more of an adult when I read that. And, you know, and I've, and, and, and the best indicator of a life well lived is actually the ability to do for oneself mm-hmm. independently, to make decisions and, and do things for yourself independently. And so Easy Hold enables people who are having a, t- having a hard time staying independent throughout that- their life. Um, it enables you to continue doing all of these hobbies, sports, daily living activities that otherwise someone else might be having to help you with. Right. Yeah. Or you Uh, would be abandoning them altogether. Right. Carrie Mellon, I'm so glad that you invented this and give kudos to Wendy and Marilee, your sisters too. It's, Mm -hmm. it's going to keep a lot of people around horses and that's our goal here. That's our our (laughs) superpower is to keep people involved with horses. And I'm so glad that you're, you're, you have a horse way back then and you stuck with them and, and, uh, God somehow brought you full circle with all the parts of your life to to create Easy Hold. I'm really happy to hear that. And I can't wait to have you back over here. And Shy Boyle, you know, maybe we'll have to go a little ride around. It'd be really fun. Oh, I would love that. I'd yeah. love that. And right. uh, yeah, I'll come over and, and show you all the different ways Easy Hold can make your life easier over there. There you go. I'll take that. All right. Thank- <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the herd. Next up, we have our trainer's tip from racetrack trainer, Sean McCarthy. Thanks, Sean McCarthy, for coming back and giving us a little bit more of your horsemanship wisdom. We'd love to hear more from you about what you um, think about the future of horsemanship. And, and a young person maybe getting into the industry might want to hear from you. I think uh, for young people out there who want to get into the racing industry, the, one, the first thing early on is to, is to learn basic horse mastership. Um, and that would include anything, you know, if you're young and fortunate enough to be growing up on a ranch or something like that, then obviously that would be the start of it. But if you're a, an inner city kid or a suburban kid, you know, get involved with FFA and 4-H and those kind of things and 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 get a basic good sense of horse mastership. And as you continue on, I would really suggest, especially today, we to go right on to university into college and get all that. I, really, I know when I was young, I, was, I knew what I wanted to do, and that's what I was going for. I wasn't worried about college, and college wasn't my thing, really, but I would say today it's, it's definitely important to do. Uh, there's many programs out there in great universities that, that do apply to this industry um, in different facets, whether it's media or, or equestrian or whatever. So, you know, look into those things and then get yourself surrounded by good people. You know, make try to get around the best people you can uh, and learn from them, obviously, and, and surround yourself with the best people in whatever avenue you decide to go through. And, and, and I think that would be, that's the best tip I can give you. Those things lead into great things because you, you acquire relationships along the way. And like any business, those relationships will parlay in the future for you and, 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 and help you succeed down the road. So I think that would be my biggest point. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In October, right now, we're wrapping up the second session of an advanced course that's three weeks long. So that's October 4 through 21, and this being October 15th on release. Then October 22 through 24, we have our Horse Sense and Healing. Um, it's second to the last one of the year, and we're really excited about the story it's beginning to tell. There's a lot of wonderful people coming. And then November 8 through 19, we have our introductory course of horsemanship. So if you've ever thought about getting on board with Madi's concepts and getting the foundational learning there, this is the course for you. Take time for yourself, November 8 through 19, for the introductory course of horsemanship in Monty Roberts' concepts. Then in December, we have our last Horse Sense in Healing for the year. And that is a, it's for exclusively for women. We've never done that before, and I'll explain why. We have always had a very mixed group, whether it's the military branch, um, it doesn't matter to us whether it, whatever conflict it was from Vietnam forward, we've always mixed the groups. But we find that there is something called MST, military sexual trauma. And we decided that we would isolate this just for women in December because they and their supporters, that would be their... Um, their mothers, their daughters, their sisters, their best friends could be there for them so that they go through a little bit of that. And believe it or not, Jen, in 2022, we're going to do one for all men because there is that that cause on the other side as well. I, so I totally get that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to try that and I'll report back to you how wonderful it was, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then people should go to MontyRoberts.com and click on courses because we have all kinds of new dates for 2022 as well. And we want to get you involved. There's a lot going on at Flag is Up and we never slowed down during COVID and people never stopped coming. They stopped coming from Europe for a while, but, <laughs> but they, but we actually increased. We now have um, several new uh, instructors coming on for the U.S. People will go, yay, it's about time. Um, you know, it's only instructor that I know is in Oklahoma or in Georgia or in Maine. We have so few. So we're really excited to bring on some good old USA certified instructors. And we're really excited at how excited they are to be getting. It's, it's Jamie Jennings' famous line of, like, where have these concepts been my whole life? And Jamie, as you know, is not only a Monty Roberts certified instructor and uh, the trainer of the year for the ASPCA, the Right Horse Initiative's Transition Horse Program about adopting over 100 horses in one year. But she is also co-host of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. So people have got to go follow her on Facebook and uh, listen to her on uh, Glenn Hebert, Jen's husband. Uh, my producer and Jamie are hilarious. And I don't know how many episodes have they done now, Jen, together? We're coming up on 3,000. Good grief. In podcast world, that is ancient. That, that is, is amazing. ancient. Yes, that's older than Moses in podcast. Terms. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. And they're, they're a lot of fun, so people should go there, too. There we go. And if you couldn't commit all of that to memory, as Debbie said, go to MontyRoberts.com. That's the website. Everything you need to know, Monty Roberts is there, including this podcast. If you scroll down just a tiny little bit, the newest episode of the podcast each twice a, twice a month is posted right there, so it's easy mm -hmm. to find. You can also call Flag is Up Farms at 805-688-6288 and chat with a knowledgeable and helpful person. That's right. And for details about today's show, 
You're going to go to horsemanshipradio.com. You're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. And as always, we love your feedback. Great way to do that. Follow Monty Roberts on social media. His Facebook page is Monty Roberts, the one with a little blue check mark. On Twitter and Instagram, Monty's handle is Monty underscore Roberts. You don't know what an underscore is? It's the dash that's at the bottom. That's right. It's a dash that dropped. That's what happens. It's it's a low dash. (laughs) A low dash. Many, many thanks to our title sponsor. Without them, we wouldn't Mm. be here. And they are. Oh, hands on gloves, hands down, right? Hands on gloves.com <laughs> and Monty Roberts University, which is now upwards of 600 lessons online. So go there. It's your resource for everything Monty and everything horse. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, what do I say? Have many happy horse hours. Thank you.